Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome back to the podcast. Big time guest coming up on tonight's pod, co-host of the Mangina Dialogues, Greg, aka the Greg Alicious. Mangina Dialogues love this podcast. Super funny. Guests such as Jay Moore, Evan Shapiro, Larry the Cable Guy, Jamie Kennedy, Barry Katz, and even a very special guest that Greg and I talk a lot about on tonight's pod. One adult content superstar, Danny Daniels. Yeah, we only spent about 20 minutes out of the 60 minutes on this podcast talking about what it was like to meet an adult film star of that caliber. Anyways, real quick housekeeping before we get to our guests. Contact information, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com and vicariouslivingpodcast on the Instagram. Go there for all of our swag. Also have to give some sponsorship love, Wicklow Wear. That's W-I-C-K-L-O-W Wear. Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com. Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off of your order. Get all of our swag. $30 on the baseball tees, $20 on the tanks, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts. Get at us, kids, for all of our swag. Okay. Gregalicious, here we go. The Gregalicious co-host of the Mangina Dialogues podcast. I got I was doing some research today and, and listening to some of your old pods and it's funny when I'm looking through and, I, and I'm sure everyone's like, oh, Larry the Cable Guy or, uh, you know, they look at all these great names. And but for me, it was like Danny Daniels. I got <laughs> to that one. I'm like, oh, this is legit. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That was actually our first, obviously, our first big get. Yeah. Way back. It was like maybe a month or so in. It was like in our first 10 or 12 episodes. I think it might have been number 12. and totally being honest i had no idea who she was what no, no idea who she was um oh my god and so nick said to me one day he's like hey my friend has this girl that he knows that wants to come on on the show and she's an adult film actress and i was like okay who's first of all how's your friend know her <laughs> <laughs> right and then like who is she and he told me and i'm like yeah i don't know who she is so of course i i googled her and other stuff and was like sure we can have her on <laughs> and, but i had no idea who she was and so we went and we recorded that episode and i have an apartment in manhattan that's vacant except for a couch and a table and one wall is entirely mirrors right mm -hmm. So it's like a 20 foot wall, floor to ceiling mirrors. Yeah. So they walk in. So she walks in with her husband, Vic, and it was like very funny. It was very porn esque. Like if you were going to step <laughs> up a setting for one of the biggest adult film stars in the world, 
this was it. It was like, it yeah, was like, she's massive. She's like a huge, huge get. I mean, you're spot on by saying she's your first get. I mean, oh yeah, she certainly was. And I, again, I had no, I was embarrassed. And I was like, I mean, I at the, obviously for the interview, I knew obviously I did enough research and into her and Vic and knew all about her by then. But leading up to it, I had no clue. And then your reaction is the reaction we got from every single male friend I have. Oh my like, god. How did you get Danny Daniels? Yeah. And and I was like, eh, luck. <laughs> but <laughs> it wasn't. It was a good friend of Nick's does business with them on on her business side. And that's how it introduced us and that was yeah. it from there. And it was so, a great episode. It was, it was oh, fun recording it. Oh um, yeah. I listened to I listened to the whole thing today because I was like, I want it to be fresh. And so the first one I went to was that Danny Daniels one. And I just kept thinking like God, how quick from when you talk with her and sit with her in your small, tiny apartment in Manhattan, do you go and get on the computer afterwards? You know, like how well, fast? <laughs> it was before we met her. Oh, you mean after that? A- after, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's a beautiful girl and not very typical of what you might envision as a porn star, if you will, right? Like if you were going to, think up a porn star in your mind you're probably not building kira um but maybe you are i don't know but so she you know her and they come in our my apartment and they didn't know we were just doing audio they didn't know if we were doing video or audio and now i wish we did video so they came in and vic was dressed like in a three-piece suit very dapper and Kira, Danny was in like just regular everyday girls' clothes, but extremely sexy, like just well put together, and was like a ten out of the gate. It, yeah, it was. It it was just tremendous, and we didn't. Me and Nick were so like just out of sorts that we didn't even think to like take a picture. It would. It was so weird. It was just. It was kind of fucked up. But God. Sorry. Oh no! I I wish I I would I'd be thinking the same thing afterwards. Like how did yeah, I so get a picture? Did. But what what? So what was Nick's take? Like was Nick? Did he know of her? I mean, where was he at with it? Or same boat oh, as you? Oh no, Nick. No, Nick definitely did. Nick is is considerably younger than me, so he's in that wheelhouse of <laughs> he's, he's hip to all of it. <laughs> yeah, he's hip to all of it. Um, so he he knew all about her, obviously. Um, he he couldn't believe I didn't know who she was, and I'm like, I mean, I don't, I don't travel Pornhub as a regular <laughs> viewing thing. I've got two kids. It's not. It's yeah, not it's not your. One. Yeah, you're not. Think, yeah, you got bigger fish to fry right now. With, Disney you know, Channel and like Pornhub. It's not how the channels roll through our computers. Um, but it was great. It was a great time. Nick and her husband Vic really like broed out for a while. Oh really. The, early part of the episode it was just them talking about being italian and oh uh, yeah looking at each other like okay when do you want to actually talk about shit that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i was thinking that the whole time because i was like all right we're like 40 minutes in and they have yet to like bring up the fact that she, the reason she's here is she's a massive <laughs> adult porn star it didn't take 40 minutes but it took like 36 yeah and- yeah Finally, I'm like, all right, enough is enough. And then me and Danny just started talking about the business and, you know, everything. I mean, that episode's now a year ago. I don't remember everything about it, but that part, you know, was good. I was much more interested in the business side of the business than, yeah. you know, like, what's it like uh, doing a three-way with, you know, three girls right. and 
you know, two guys that have, you know, whatever. Like that doesn't interest me at all. It was much more like understanding her business, which is super interesting. I mean, it's like any other business in the world. And, you know, you talk about porn and people, you know, most people immediately, like if they're a guy, they're like, yeah, let's talk about it. If it's a girl, they're like, I've never watched porn or whatever. But <laughs> it's very much, you know, like music. And when, when Napster first came out and LimeWire and all those places where people were downloading and getting their music for free, totally killed the music business. Right. And that's what I wanted to talk about is the advent of all these websites that, you know, there's a hundred of them you could go to to watch porn on for free on the internet. Like, what's that business model? And how do you make money when someone like her makes a very, very lucrative living off of online stuff? I, it's such a good much point. I want to talk about. Yeah, no, I, I, it is like once you mentioned that, like on the pod, I was saying not to step on all your pod material, but I was so curious. And then to hear her answer of like, well, it, I, I would just tell people go to Pornhub because I actually get paid from right. Pornhub. Um, right. It's all the other tube sites like RedTube and, and, porn whatever the other you porn where i don't i don't see anything on like the back end no pun intended uh from that stuff so like <laughs> yeah I, I i thought that was all super interesting so you you are i know you were mentioning you're into merch right like you sell merch for different bands in in the new york area is that accurate well i mean it's semi semi accurate so my main business is is merch is consumer products so yeah merch okay um but we we license intellectual property from anything entertainment related. It's mostly studio driven, whether it's, you know, Disney or Warner brothers or universal. Um, so we'll like license the Harry Potter franchise and put it on a bunch of crap and sell it to hot topic and Walmart and target and Spencer's and stuff. But we, we did for years work with all the bands and, you know, produce tour merch for everybody from the Rolling Stones to guns and roses to, Green Day. I mean, just tons and tons of bands. God. So, how much? How much? What? Like, what would you say your percent? How much time you spend doing that versus like the pod? I mean, is the podcast for you guys? What's the split on on how much time is taken up by each? Well, <laughs> it. I mean, my 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 main business is my full time job. Right. It occupies a lot of my time, and, and most of my time was spent traveling between New York and Los Angeles, and you know, because we work with all the biggest retailers in the world, you know, I would, I would go to Walmart in Arkansas or Minneapolis for Target or Atlantic City for Spencer's yeah. and spend a lot of time on the road and, and traveling, most of it in Los Angeles. And we would record one day a week, the day, and be like, all right, we're going to record three episodes Friday um, and just bang them all out and then start building up a library, which we did. And that's how we, we operated until the whole COVID thing happened. Yeah. And then with everybody not working or working from home, luckily my business was affected, not grossly affected. So we managed to operate almost seamlessly um, through the crisis. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm working from home. So now I have a very flexible schedule. So we just started recording like crazy. I went out to every manager agent I knew, you know, comics directly. And we recorded 40 or 50 episodes over the span of March and April. Wow. I mean, it was, it was a mad rush. Yeah. So we, we put out a new episode every day in May, because if we didn't, we would have had 40 episodes 
that you know a lot of them were, were somehow related to talking about the COVID crisis. And if we put out one or two a week, you know, come December or January of next year, we'd be taught, you know, the episode would come out and it wouldn't really be relevant. Right. So, or the person special had come out four months ago. So we were like, what are we going to do with all this great content? And we were like, fuck it, let's just put it out every day in May. And yeah. we did. And, you know, it, it, it was good and bad. You know, we, we didn't see, you know, 30 times as much traffic because it's just too much content for any fan right. or podcast to listen to over the course of a month. But it definitely helped us get more credibility very quickly within pretty much the top tier of touring comedians. Yeah. And when I say top tier, I don't mean, you know, the Chris D'Elia's and the Joey Diaz's, it's like the tier right below them who, you know, are everyday performers at the comedy store or the cellar or at the stand, but are not, you know, the biggest, biggest names, but still people that are top tier talent, you know, doing, having specials out and really, it was really great. Yeah, I heard the Jay Moore one that you just you just dropped. Uh, what was it Monday or so? Um, and I've heard him. I listened to the Corolla podcast like religiously, so I've seen I've heard him a million times and seen him live a couple times. But yeah, I, I saw that one. And I was like, man, they are cruising right now. Jay Moore is like a massive, massive name. And I was la- I was laughing because when they were when you guys were talking with him, the the vibe I've always gotten from him, and you can tell me because you know you know him now, but um. He's such high energy and he just goes and goes like a, a million miles per hour. And it, it's almost like yeah. it's hard for people to, to catch up to, to him. He's going oh, there's so no fast. question. And if you listen to it, what I, I, you know, since you've listened to our podcasts, you, you, you know, we typically will play our theme song, let the person on the other side react to our shitty theme song. And then we go <laughs> to the interview. And I, for some reason, instinctively knew that once Jay called me, there was not going to be any play our theme song. It was going to be hit record and just <laughs> whatever happens, happens. And yeah. it's exactly what happened. So if you, if you listen to that, you'll see the episode picks up mid-sentence. <laughs> because yeah. we started talking and he, you know, he called me and we just started talking for a maybe 30 45 seconds and i'm like holy shit i gotta just hit record because there's no way we're stopping to play our theme song nor is jay going to give us the opportunity to do that so that started mid-conversation and it's just steamrolled from there and his management said you guys have a hard stop at whatever time it was yeah yeah you kept saying that like you uh, we've been told you gotta stop and he's like no let's keep going that's a fine yeah, well that's the thing like you know we <laughs> we have to be respectful of his management's side, right? So right. he obviously had something lined up on the other side. So I don't want to be the guy to screw that up and not be conscious of what management told me. Listen, at 1230, you guys got to stop. Okay, we did everything we could to stop <laughs> on time. And if you listen and you hear it, you know there was no stopping. Jay. He's like, no, fuck it, we're going. And he's like, I'm, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll leave when I'm ready to leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, and that's what happened. And it was great. That It was one of the most fun 45-minute episodes we had I, I knew going in that was how it was going to be um, just knowing him and and knowing what and how his brain works and how it's going to flow and it, it lived up to every single expectation and then some yeah but people that people don't know about Jay is he's he's obviously a 30-year veteran comedian most people know him from Jerry Maguire or from Saturday Night Live and don't necessarily even unless you're you know in tune with stand-up comedy think seasoned 
one of the best stand-up comedians around and that's what he is at heart he is one of the best kick-ass stand-up comedians you will ever get a chance to see i know i'm excited to hear his special on uh coming out when when does that come out is that netflix came out last week. it came out last week no oh, it's okay. on what is it on um if you have peacock i believe it's on the comedy dynamics channel yep if you have amazon prime it's on amazon prime it's on itunes uh, it's not on netflix i don't believe so how do you get all these different comedians? Because, you know, a lot of your guests are, are stand-up comedians. Is it because Nick knows a lot of them because he's in the industry and he sees them at the comedy store or wherever he's going out to, to do live sets? Is that how a lot of those guest spots come about? Not to shit on Nick at all. because <laughs> here, But here guests. we go. <laughs> <laughs> but let it rip. Um no, I book most of the guests for our show. Um, mainly, By the way, I love when people do they go, hey, not to be a dick, but... <laughs> and then they say yeah, something yeah. really mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I had a, I, I'll leave Nick alone. He gets enough shit from me on a daily basis to not out him on a, another podcast. Um, he, so no, so I, I used to publish a music magazine. So I founded a music magazine years and years ago. So... I have a long history with publicists and managers and agents going back forever. Plus I've done a lot of stuff on the film and TV side myself. So I just mm -hmm. have a lot of personal relationships, um, whether it's with publicists or some people directly. And I spend a lot of time pre COVID in Los Angeles and at the comedy store. So I've built a relationship with a handful of, of comics or, you know, they're, people that surround them so that and i just go at them and be like hey you want to come on and luckily <laughs> most of them have said yes <laughs> there's been a few no's um of course but um you know lots of people say yes you know we strategically had some people on because they're very well respected within the industry that by saying hey this guy was on you should come on mm. we talked about you it just helps us get people yeah. So there's been a few very instrumental people that have helped us. Troy Conrad, who's the only photographer for the comedy store, like he's there actually, he's their photographer. So we had him on because he's an awesome photographer. I, I respect his work. And just by having Troy on, when I say to Annie Letterman or whomever, hey, Troy was on, you should come on. It's like, you know, automatically there's that credibility built there. I don't have to sell us that hard. Yeah. No, it, yeah, you're you're like uh, you're cool by association. So they're like, oh, you you know so and so, cool, cool. <laughs> but that's um, very funny. Yeah, if you you should listen to the Barry Katz episode. Yeah, he did. Which was I don't know, like fifty or fifty one. And Barry, if you're not familiar with Barry, is a comedy management legend. Right? Oh, is like, this the guy that on the uh, Jay Moore one? He was talking about getting yes. advice from him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Same so, guy. Okay. Yeah, same guy. So we. Barry represents a couple of big comedians, um, Brad Williams, Kirk Fox. So while I was reaching out to people to book comedians, I wanted to book Brad and have talked to Brad, but I'm like, you know what, let me just go to his agent and try to set it up through that. So Barry is his agent and he was like, Brad's not available for a few months because he just had a baby and whatever. Um, he's like, but I'll do your podcast. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> I was like, what? you want to do our podcast i'm like i'm not turning that down yeah. so you know anyone who's listening to this that is a fan of comedy and doesn't know who barry katz is google his name and you will be blown away he's responsible for 
probably 20 of the top 40 comedians in the world, including like people like Bill Burr and Chris D'Elia and Whitney Cummings and Jay Moore. I mean, it's just insane. He created Last Comic Standing. Um, he was Dane Cook's agent, found Dane. I mean, it, it's just incredible, An incredible, absolutely incredible pedigree. And he's a guy, we said, hi, Barry. And Barry talked for 45 minutes. I didn't. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. It's like, what kind of guests it just do you like a guy who comes in and you just like Barry? We were like, all right, just go. You just, here's your platform for the next 45 minutes. Or do you like more of a back and forth? I mean, what, what's your it, ideal? You know, it depends. It, we really haven't had many episodes where someone comes on and just rails, right? <laughs> and just goes. It, Barry was one of them. Jay was the another. And then Har- Harley Flanagan, who is the founder and lead singer, um, of the band Cro-Mags, which is like a New York City institution, hardcore punk band that's been around since the 80s. And he's a firecracker. I mean, that doesn't even do him justice. He called us the day his single dropped, which was first single in forever. And he just went off for an hour. It was one (laughs) of the craziest interviews ever. But I'm reluctant to even call it an interview. It was more like, we said hello Harley crushed it, said goodbye, we were done. Yeah. And it was awesome. It was awesome every time. So, you know, I you know, I ran a music magazine for years and interviewed everybody from Elton John to Marilyn Manson to you name it. Oh my and god. I'm very skilled at at interviewing and letting the people have their have their runway and knowing the right time to come in, right time to go out. And so I like a good interview because I'm, you know, I'm usually prepared and have questions I want to ask or a topic I want to throw out. But when someone's on a roll, you got to let them just roll. And do their, <laughs> right? just, yeah, and I feel it. like Jay Moore's in that camp of like, he's on a oh. roll, let him go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're not, certain guys like you just don't stop. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, if the story is going on and it's shitty, then yeah, I'll find a way to interject and, and reel it back in. But with certain people, either don't do that or you don't need to do it. And even, even Jay told a couple stories that weren't, you know, they weren't the the best, but they were still great. Like, (laughs) because they, they were just Jay telling the story that you may not have thought was hysterically funny, but if you like, I went back and listened to that episode twice because there was stuff that I kept missing, you know, and I did the interview. Yeah. Yeah, he he. I, the thing that always shocks me about him, because like I said, I've heard him interviewed a bunch of times on long form like podcasts. And the thing that always shocks me about him is he's like a very deep, like he, you know, he's into poetry. Um, he's yeah. he's in you know the whole life coach stuff that he was talking about, where he likes to give advice and get very like philosophical. Um, I, that's just a side I don't think a lot of people get to or even know about like you say you think of jerry Maguire or whatever and you just don't even think about it and i think that's why it's cool interviewing some of these people and and talking to them for so long because you're like wow so many layers on this onion that i need to feel back yeah. on this guy yeah i mean you never know what you're gonna get you know sometimes you know we, w- we would go into an interview and i'd be like this is gonna be tough and it was incredibly easy and other times i'm like this is a cakewalk interview and it, and it was really difficult, like pulling teeth. Yeah. And those always suck because, you know, you're, you're sort of like caught. It's like, well, what do you do? Like either this person isn't a good interviewee or 
doesn't want to be there <laughs> and like you know you're locked in the good part about a podcast is we're not live we could always dump it you know, yeah scrap it put it out and we've done that we've had a couple that just did not work and we did not want to put it out you know because it represents us but also represents them and you know we're not looking to say oh look this interview sucks this person blows like i'm not interested in doing that i'm interested in helping people and putting out good content and not embarrassing someone right yeah, I it's funny because I you know you were mentioning LA and I've talked about it on my podcast a lot because we went out there for four months for unpaid internships in 2009. Me and a couple of my friends worked for a PR company, and mm-hmm. I just I was doing a lot of those press junkets where and I was an intern, so I was just doing pointless shit. You know, I was standing by the door handing handing them waters, but um, it was just funny because you would see like them in their press junket mode. And, and you probably saw this when you were doing uh, interviews for a magazine and everything where they just have so many that I could see how you could have a bad interview when you finally get in there. And it's like your guy 500 in the last yeah. two days that I got to talk about the same shit, you know? Yeah. I had a really funny experience with a with a press day with this band oh my god oh bands are probably a lot of (laughs) this was as embarrassed as i've ever been in my life and it was one of these boy bands right and oh my god can you say the name or would i not or or not who they are i want to say it was o-town but it wasn't oh yeah it wasn't it was a band like o-town i know the main guy what's the main guy in o-town ashley something I don't, I don't even know. I don't remember. I'm not into boy bands. <laughs> but this band was not O-Town. It was a band like O-Town, that they were yeah. trying to be like O-Town. So I got invited to a press day, and I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And my magazine at the time was very much like classic and hard rock. It was a harder edge magazine. But my friend was this band's publicist, and she was like, just come down and talk to these guys. They're super cool. You'll have a good time. And I'm like, okay, fine, you know, whatever. So I go down, they put me in this incredibly small conference room that only me on one side of the table, and then these four guys on the other side of the table, all like very pretty boy Brits, right? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so now I'm interviewing them. And, you know, it was fluff. It was a boy band. What are you going to talk to a boy band about, right? So come down to the end, and the publicist is like, all right, now that we're wrapping it up, the guys would like to sing for you. Oh right? my God. And I'm like, no, that's okay. Like <laughs> I have the disc. It's <laughs> fine. Like, I don't need, I don't need these guys to sing to me as close as they are. Right. And she's like, no, no, they're going to sing for you. I'm like, holy shit. So they get up. One guy starts playing the guitar and now they are singing to me a ballad, like a boy band ballad oh my god i'm i'm trying to not look at them in the face but the room is so small i don't have a choice it's either like their dick or their face and i'm like (laughs) so so i'm bright red i could feel it like you know when you're blushing i i felt it i started sweating right and i'm just like counting the 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 seconds until this disaster is over yeah. And they were very good. Not that they weren't good. And I'll have to find the band's name and I'll text it to you after. Oh my God. Yeah. But I got to know this. It's so they're, they finished that song and I'm like, Oh, thank God. Thank God that's over. And just as I was about to get up, they start singing. No, another song. no. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> 
So like I made a joke and I'm like, when's the lap dance? Oh my God. And it, I was like, this is the worst. That's like, so worst. wild. Yeah, it was terrible. It reminds but, me of like Anchorman when, and you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to sing. No, I can't get up there. And they're like, no, just get up there. And then he like pulls out the jazz flute out of his arm. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. And then he won't get off the stage. Yeah, that's what this was. This was worse. Oh my God. Um, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't. I mean, we, we'd have a teen drama podcast here. I know you reached out because you were like, 10 things I hate about you. This is my jam. This is my shit. So on our podcast, we will do like an extensive deep dive into teen drama TV shows. And it, it started out, it was me and it, my buddy. And uh, it's just a two 30-year-old dudes who are literally watching like teen TV shows. Um, but then we started sprinkling movies in too. And uh, we did 10 Things I Hate About You. So I would love to hear your hot takes on 10 Things I Hate About You versus anything else. So... <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember when 10 Things came out. It was probably what, like 97, 98? I want to say 99. Okay, so it's, it's somewhere around there. Somewhere around there, late 90s. And that was the latter part of my last single days li- living in New York City as a single person. And my, my group of friends all had a handful of movies that before we would go out, on whatever night it was, we would either watch one of like three movies in that time period. It was either 10 Things, it was Beautiful Girls, or it was Swingers, right? So three movies pretty different from each other. And, you know, the one thing that was always funny is that there's a bunch of guys who were, at that time, close to 30, you know, mid to late 20, 30, Watching <laughs> mentally stunted before we're about to go out to some like hip bar or nightclub or something. Yeah, and we would just sit and watch this movie and recite it line for line because it was just there was something great about that movie at the bones, right? Oh, so you have yeah, like, it's a Shakespeare. Did you know, like all right. this? Like yeah, when I was digging into, I'm like, it's a, it's based on a Shakespeare play, and it's like, yep. it's a masterpiece (laughs) so it's not only you know the best scene in that movie to me there's two is obviously the julia styles where she jumps up on the table and uh dances to hypnotize by biggie and then gets her head you know hits her head in the lamp and then falls and he catches her yep that scene is one of the most classic scenes of any teen movie ever to me oh yeah and then the other is when I, I can never remember the guy's name, but he's like, he's the friend of the second main character guy, right? Like the kind of a dweeby guy, whatever his name was. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the guy. Okay. So the guy who's like always orchestrating everything. Yeah. But you're always yeah. like, why do you care so much about your friend getting right. pussy? <laughs> why right, are you exactly. yourself are not trying to get pussy ever? But the best was when he comes dancing over. Right. And he goes to the kid. He's like, I've got a dick on my face, don't I? Relax. We let him pretend he's calling the shots while he's busy setting things up. You have time to be on. That is a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> I... I have a dick on my face, don't I? And they had drawn a dick in marker on his face, like going towards his mouth. 
I use that line every <laughs> week in some way the last 20 years. There's not a week's gone by where I don't pull out the, I got a dick on my face, don't I? Yeah, when just anytime like you're embarrassed. You <laughs> yeah, you know, when someone's looking at you funny like, what did you just say? It's like, I got a dick on my face. And it's just one of the best lines of any movie, teen movie, non- whatever, that is out there. But that whole movie just... It's oh, just such Heath a Ledger in it. I mean, leather. so good. Like he's just, he's amazing. I mean, I I was I, we were talking about when we were watching it back because it's funny. You you see these like you in your you're either single or your younger days or wherever, and you're just so emotionally connected to it. And then it's interesting to go back now and watch these movies when you get a little older and you're not you know as as emotionally invested at this point in time. And just looking at some of like the little nuanced things, like you said, that guy like dancing over like that little, little thing that I don't even know if he just made a creative decision to do it in that scene, like just off script, but all these little nuanced things and and Heath Ledger is like, it's the little things that he does in these scenes where you're just like blown away by his charisma. You're like, just met, like he's magnetic on the screen. It's crazy. Plus it's a very relatable movie to you know, anyone really in high school with high school romance and all the, the geek guys and the ones that get picked on. Like it's very relatable to everybody that's in any high school clique. Like you, you can watch that movie and be like, I was that guy or I had a friend that was that dude or the girl I liked was the sister. Like it's a very, very relatable film. And yep. I, you know, and, and I mean, Julia Stiles at the time was like this up and comer, like beautiful, hot, like sexy girl. And, you know, he was obviously what he had come out of at the time. And it's like it, it, all the worlds collide. It was like, this movie's the fucking best. And I'm not watching anything else besides this before I go out on a Friday night. What shows or movies connect with you? For me, it was like the OC. Like I, I was in high school when the OC came out. And there's a lot of movies that came out when I was in high school or just out of high school where it still connects with me, what were those like either TV shows or movies for you besides 10 things that like really just connected with you emotionally? <laughs> well, for many different reasons, Beverly Hills, 90210. Uh, we many- watched that. Yeah. And mainly that was on when I was in college. Right. So you can figure out how old I am. So I just remember every girl, being like, I'm not going out until Beverly Hills is over. Oh, right? yeah. So you had a choice. You could either split mm-hmm. without like your crew of girls, which nobody wants to do, right? Or you could like hunker down and watch fucking Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> as like a bunch of college frat boys with like the girls. And obviously you were going to stay and watch this fucking show. Yeah. So we did. And then next thing you know, you're hooked on Beverly Hills 90210, which yeah. then rolled to Melrose Place. And now you're hooked on Melrose Place. And, and you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Like, I'm locked into these teen nighttime <laughs> soap operas. I, I have this theory, which I, I've had for a very long time, that up until then, you know, girls were not like outwardly sexual. Right. right? Like, you didn't see teenagers on television having sex, talking about sex. You didn't see it. It didn't exist until Beverly Hills 90210. Yep. And all of a sudden now that comes out and it becomes okay. And now it literally led to, you know, sex tapes. And, oh yeah. Kim Kardashian. Right? And it just, 
it it's it's the 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 pressure point of the world getting oversexed is from Beverly Hills 90210. I love that theory. I wrote, I wrote an essay on it in school. That's amazing. Not in school. After, after after school, I wrote, and I wish I still had it, but like you know, back in the day, it wasn't. It was this is like pre-email that I wrote this thing out. Like this is why Beverly Hills 90210 is fucked up the country. <laughs> it's fucked it up, and I'm still gonna watch every Thursday night at eight o'clock. And I'll watch the reboot, like no problem. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that? If, okay. So, I'll, I'll, yeah, we watched that show, and I'm curious as someone who watched it in the moment, what were your thoughts on Shannon Doherty then? Because when I watch it back now, and I have, I don't have that emotional connection like you. I, I don't get it. I don't get what's happening here with Shannon Doherty. What, what am I missing? In what you mean? Like, like in a looks department or like a uh, charismatic department, just like a, uh, I don't know. She just doesn't do anything for me. And I think she's the lead. she was supposed to be like the plain Jane average everyday girl. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's what her role was. And then the Kelly role was like her friend. That's like the peer pressure, hot cheerleader, you know, leading the charge of like sleeping with dudes or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, was like not a role model, but who that that Brenda character kind of looked up to to take her cues from. So she needed to be a more wholesome, average, everyday looking girl, right? And yep. then you had the virgin, like aloof, whatever that Donna was, you know, that that sort uh, of played the yang to those yinks. Donna, is that the Tory Spelling character? Yes. Is that her? Yes, sorry. Man, yeah. so have you seen her lately? Yeah, it's a shit show. Oh my god, it's frightening to look <laughs> So are you okay, last question on Beverly Hills. Are you a Brandon guy or are you a Dylan guy? You know, it's so funny you asked me that. Like two weeks ago I put on my, my Instagram story um which you know which one wins and I was I forgot. I was like, Oh, one, I saw you know what? I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Where it, did you net out? It, it was like overwhelming Luke Perry, like not even close. Oh yeah. Like, that's where I was. Yeah. I think I voted I, on that Luke Perry. <laughs> and like, it's, but it's so true. Like if, if you were anyone, like you, you didn't want to be Brandon, like you wanted to be Luke, the guy. Oh, Brandon's old bitch. Bro. It's totally pretty. Like it's just whatever. And then finally he got some balls and got the hot troubled girl, like, five seasons in is that tiffany amber Thiessen? no it wasn't tiffany amber Thiessen. i don't remember what her name was but she had like spiky hair i don't remember oh i don't think i don't know if i got that i we we we, it was fun. we fast forwarded to like the part where because we we all love saved by the bell and tiffany amber Thiessen is like hey, kelly kapowski is like a goddess to us and yeah. um we fast forward to see when she came on the show it was like season five or six and brandon had the worst fucking goatee i've ever seen it was like what <laughs> Why was that ever cool? The goatee in 1998 or whenever it was, but oh, that was in 98. That uh, might have been. Uh, yeah, what 94, 95? Yeah, yeah, that's. It was probably mid. It definitely was mid 90s, for sure. Could have been. Did you ever rock a? Uh, no, no, I can't. God, I, I, I kind of peg you as a goatee guy in like 95. No, I swear <laughs> to God, I I wish I could do that. I tried so hard in this early COVID thing. I'm like, I'm not shaving. Yeah dyeing my hair so i dyed my hair 
like three different colors. It ultimately blended into being like a weird purple. And then yeah. I'm like, I'm not shaving. And the best I got, I don't know how to make this out to not offend some people. So I'm just going to say I looked yeah, fuck it. like a really good eighth grader mm. from like South America that right. hadn't shaved for like two weeks. I right? love that. That's yep. what I looked blotchy. I mean, it looked like I was sick and I hadn't shaved in six weeks. Like, hey, Johnny it, Depp pulls it off somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's not me. <laughs> I, I wasn't pulling it off. It was, but so then I dyed my hair and there's a picture of this on my Instagram somewhere. And so it was so dark, right? These, this like trio of colors that I came up with. And then I thought, the best thing for me to do to not look ridiculous was to shave my head as far up as I could and then just kind of try to blend it in. And what happened was I shaved it to like the top, kind of like the way yours is, yeah. right? At the roots, I come to find my hair is completely gray, right? <laughs> Fuck. Like right now, <laughs> it's not. Like if I took my hat off, you could, I mean, you probably could yeah. see it, but it's like brown. It looks brown, right? But when I shave it down, gray, right? So I had like white gray hair halfway up my head and then this really dark that only could be described as a fucking toupee sitting on the top of my head. I looked legit like sounds, I had, I was wearing a terrible toupee. Sounds badass. So I, I wore a headband for a solid month. Like, so you couldn't see where one hit the other because it looked like I was wearing a very bad toupee. Like you'd see in a weird old Italian barbershop somewhere. God, COVID haircuts, they went off the wheels. I mean, I before you could wear a mask out to like salons and everything, when it was in the, the first couple months, dudes were all just going crazy with their hair because you couldn't, everything was locked down. And um, yeah, I, I just remember distinctly thinking like my whole life, haircut people, it's easy. That's an easy job. I mean, you blend, you buzz it on the side, you cut it with scissors <laughs> on the top. That's easy shit. And um. It wasn't until COVID hit where I realized, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> this is where they make their money all up top. Because, yeah, yeah. blending the side and sh like you, shaving the side, that's easy shit. But where they make their money is with the skill with the yeah. scissors on the top. Totally, 100% totally true. I mean, I, I shaved my own head for like 10 years. I just buzzed it down. And then a couple years ago, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to cut my hair. So I stopped cutting my hair and I hadn't cut my hair for two years. So I had like hair down to here. Right. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I would just like trim some of it just so it wasn't ridiculous. And I literally had a crazy mullet, but I had really long hair. And then one day I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like I can't deal with this. It's a, it's a fucking nightmare. So I, I went, I went to one of these like fancy girl salons and I was like, what can you do with this? <laughs> like, like, I mean, I'm your muse. She was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't want to look like this anymore. Like you need to do something. And she made like, she took like an hour and a half to cut my hair and I left and I'm like, I have to go shave this all off. I, I looked ridiculous. But I, it was like too late. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Tell her to stop now? Like, just finish what you're going to do. And then she charged me like $75 and I had to go shave my head. <laughs> I got to say that the biggest upside to being a dude is the fact that like if some, I, I kept telling this to my wife when she was trying to get, you know, crazy with the scissors. I was like, 
it doesn't matter. Honestly, just do your best. And yeah. I always have in my hip pocket that I can just shave this shit off. If things go yeah. south, I can just shave it off. So, oh man, my hair grows like a weed. Like, yeah, I don't really care. Like you can do anything <laughs> you want to my head, and within two months, I'm back to where I start. Like, right, totally fine. Don't care. I I told my wife the other day. I'm like, you know what? I am going to shave my head. I'm going to give myself a mohawk. I'm going to bleach it, and I'm going to dye it bright red. And she's like, why? And I'm like, <laughs> why not? Like who, who is going to see me? Like, I don't have any business like meetings for months now in person. If I have a zoom call, I'll put a hat on the big deal. Yeah. Or I'll just do audio. It's like, I'm, no one needs to see me. And if it's for my podcast, I mean, a red Mohawk is, is gold. Yeah. People and now people know when you show up that like you mean business <laughs> with a red Mohawk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to spike it way up. It's like going back. What do your, to the what do your kids think about, about all the, uh, you know, changing up with the hair and just, Oh my God. Well, I have two teenage boys. Okay. That in that stage of, you know, being a 13 year old and a 16 year old. So it's, so a, they know who Danny Daniels is. Well, I don't know. It, yeah. I don't, I don't know. What is it? Young kids these days. It, I don't know, except I'll tell you a funny story. My 13-year-old, he would be really embarrassed if you heard me telling this. We, we put in one of those like Wi-Fi systems where you can see what certain people's computers are looking at. Oh, right? my God. So we make sure we can, you know, we can see what our kids are doing on their devices and stuff. And <laughs> one morning when we first were figuring it out, we're like looking at it and we're like, he, he, Gabe's computer says <laughs> MILF Hunters. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's impossible. <laughs> Probably when you're a dad, it happens way younger than you think it's going to. Like, oh, he's, fuck, he's thirteen. Oh no, but no, no, he, you know, I have a thirteen-year-old and a sixteen-year-old, and the thirteen-year-old, he is definitely the pervert. He has been, <laughs> like, he's the nudist. Like, he oh my does God. not care. Has no shame. In twenty twenty, man. It's crazy. Like, and then his brother, the old one, is like, couldn't be more embarrassed. But yeah, so I look at, I'm like, milf hunters. Wow, that's progressive for a 13 year old. <laughs> like, like, I wouldn't have picked them for that. Now I got to tell all the moms to be careful. That's so funny. God, the, the most scared I think I've ever been in my life. So I can't even imagine if someone had access to like that Wi Fi and could see all, I'd be fucked. But the most scared I've ever been in my life was when an internet guy came over and he had to get on my computer. He's like, oh, yeah, something's going on with your internet. Figure, I'll figure it out, though. I'll connect the modem, all this stuff. I get the Ethernet cord, whatever. And then he gets on my computer. Honestly, he could go into my web browser and type any first key. He could type R, F, T. It wouldn't matter. A porn site is going to come up. And I think he just started typing because I live in Cincinnati. I think he started typing like Cincinnati Bell. He got to like C and it was come get whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And he wasn't looking. He was looking down at his keyboard the whole time. And then eventually he typed it in and he didn't see it. I'm like, bullet dodged with this local internet guy thinking I'm a pervert. Did you ever see the movie Ted or Ted? It was Ted or Ted 2. It might have been Ted 1. The first I saw Ted. Movie. Yeah, I saw Ted 1. Yeah. And um, 
Mark Wahlberg, he had some line in there. He's like, they said, just Google it. And he was like, you can't Google it. It's like, no matter what you Google, you type it in and black cocks comes up. <laughs> so <laughs> true. He's like, type in Chinese food. He types in Chinese food and just assume. <laughs> it's so true. Any letter. It it's any letter. Any letter. I, I use that one all the time also. But no, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, they, they are you know, typical teenage boys. Yeah. Doing typical teenage boys shit. Um, but they, they bust my balls more than my friends do <laughs> over my podcast, my stupid Greg delicious name. Like I had stick, I had all this Greg delicious merch made like stickers and buttons and pins and bumper stickers, like all kinds of shit, mostly as a joke. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not because I think someone's going to spend $10 on a Gregalicious enamel pin, right? Like, <laughs> if they are, they, I'm not selling it to them. Like, that's the <laughs> you're willing to spend $10 worth a pin with my face on it, I'm not selling it to you. <laughs> like, that, that's nothing good is going to happen yeah. from that purpose. Yeah. So I just bought them to give them away as, as like gag gifts. And like the second any of their friends come in, they go right to my merch and they're like, they open it up like it's a box of, 30 different kinds of pot and they're like what do you want uh-huh. and like all their friends take like I, I had charms made that it's literally like an acrylic plastic charm which you can put on a key ring or a necklace or an earring yeah and all these like teenage boys running around town with like my buttons and pins and stickers i'm like dude that's gonna get me in trouble yeah i, I think <laughs> like, of like someone's mom you know who's yeah. at his school like seeing it like what the fuck yeah like what how i don't understand i mean okay you're not going over to mr greg's house anymore that guy's a creep (laughs) giving out kids like the dude that gave out like you know razor blades and apples at halloween yeah like he's giving away his stickers that fucking weirdo god hey i got i know i know um we're coming up against it but i i have to ask you about i i just got to get into sports so i'm a big sports guy and I heard your your take on Phil Sims. I was dying laughing because I think Phil Sims is one of the biggest wet blanket idiots of all time. So Phil Sims, you met him, and I'm so interested to hear this story. So <laughs> my dad was a sports agent. That's how this whole thing starts. So okay. my father was a football agent, and since we lived in New Jersey – he the way he got into it is he was friends with someone who was a, a football coach and they decided to start a business when that football coach who was a Giants coach left coaching. So my dad went and got certified as an agent. They started a, a, a sports agency, and because of his his partner being related to the Giants, they just started signing New York Giants as clients. And mm-hmm. this is back in the early eighties when the Giants still sucked were on the cusp of getting better um, or were in the process of getting better, but they still had sucked. Yep. So Phil Sims was a draft pick that year. And I was at training camp with my dad. I was like 10 years old ish. And we went to a bar to have lunch with a couple of his clients who happened to be offensive starting offensive linemen. Okay. So he's in the NFL and you're 10. Yes. Okay. It's, with his, it's, it's his rookie season. He has yet to play a game. Okay. Right? It was the first week of football camp. And we're sitting at a table, and 
one of the guys points out, he's like, hey, Greg, that's Phil Stimms. He's the new quarterback, the new draft. You know, they just drafted him. He's yeah. Like, Go over and ask him for his autograph. I'm like, okay. And I get up out of the booth. I go over and I'm like, hi, Mr. Sims. Um, with, I, I know I introduced myself as Bill's son. I'm like, can I have your autograph? And he looks at me dead in the face and goes, kid, you're too young to be in the bar. And then turns around and goes back to eating his hamburger. Dick. And I was like, I'm like, wow. That is a total dick move. So, and I was stunned and I'm Not like, okay. and, right. And I was never even like growing up with a father who was a sports agent. There were professional athletes in my house all the time. And I was, I mean, every, like never phased me. I never asked anybody for autographs ever except for this asshole. So I go back to my table and they were like asking me questions and I'm like, he wouldn't give me his autograph. And they're like, yeah, right. Joking with me. And I'm like, no, no. He wouldn't give me his autograph. He told me I'm too young to be in a bar. So the two linemen, right, starting linemen, right, that are going to protect this son of a bitch, get up out of the booth and, like, kind of drag me over with them, like, drag me to him. And they go to him and they're like, give the kid the fucking autograph. Oh, my God. Yeah, because he's a little bitch. He's just a rookie. Right? Oh, my God. Give him the autograph. And Phil was like, he was like all shaken up a little bit. And he was like, okay, I'm really sorry. I was joking. And they're like, okay, dick. God. And from that day, I'm like, that guy's a son of a bitch. Yeah, you knew at a young age. And then it all came, you, you became the most right person, vindicated person in the world when he became an announcer and just became the biggest, it just dunce, idiot, most, everything he has said on TV is like the most obvious not, shit not in the world. Including his kids, like we grew up in, they lived in the town next door to where I grew up in New Jersey. So yeah. for, for years we were, around the same people and including his kids went to the rival high school. So, you know, I didn't, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm friends with those cause I am not, but I know of them and the apple does not fall far from the tree. Oh, really? I, I would imagine if your dad's a, a huge, massive douche, <laughs> you would come out like a douche too. <laughs> There's a chance you're yeah. a douche. All- yeah. It was, so I never like, even through all like, the good years and I spent a lot of time around the Giants with my dad um, you know through the years because he he was an agent through the late 80s and spent a ton of time with them around the team at the stadium and never ever after that day passed a word with Phil Simmons ever through my latter teens like I think I was 17 or 18 years old when my dad stopped being an agent and the last thing I ever went to was George Martin and Harry Carson's retirement party, which was at a bar restaurant by Giant Stadium. The entire team was there. I talked to the entire team, Lawrence Taylor, everybody, and not, didn't even, not one word, no one, not nothing. Wouldn't want to have anything to do with that son of a bitch. Yeah, you're done. I'm like, you burned a 10 year old, you fucker. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I, I could go, like I said, I could go on a million because I, I would love to know what LT is like. I'll, I have so many questions on this, but I know I, I know I told you 30 to 45 I've gone and I've taken an hour of your time, but um, I just uh, thank you so much. This has been so fun, oh, no, totally. so yeah, much could, fun. We could do it um, again. We can actually talk about the content relevant to your 
<laughs> oh, no, I, look, I love just hearing your story. I mean, it, it, it's, it, you're, you have a great podcast. Thank I you. love it. I love listening to it. Yeah, anyone listening to this, go listen. Mangina Dialogues. It's amazing. Greg, Gregalicious, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Really appreciate it. We'll do something else too, for sure. Yeah, we'll do it. See you, Greg. All right, man. In touch. Big time shout out to the Gregalicious. Loved having him on. Super interesting conversation. But you know what time it is, kids. It's time to tuck on in. Have a really good night's sleep. Don't let those bed bugs bite, kids. And we will say... Clear eyes, full hearts, do less kids. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is... Laguna Beach. Steven's there. Just not pictured. Steven and Elsie. Both there. Just not pictured.